Sciences. Welcome to the South Burbs Hitmen Podcast with your hosts, Joe Mandel, Stephen Zim Zimmerman, and Vinny Parisi. We're bringing you the White Sox coverage you need from the perspective of true Southsiders. Grab your Comiskey dog with an ice cold beer and meet us at section 155. Everyone get on your feet for your South Burbs Hitmen. That ball hit deep. Way back. You can put it on the board. Yes. Jimenez in the air. Left field. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. Over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges close. Out. And the White Sox have won the World Series. Alexei. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of South Burbs Hitmen. I'm one of your main hosts, Joe Mandel, and I'm joined by my White Sox brothers in arms. I'm talking about Vinny Parisi and Steven Zim Zimmerman. Gentlemen, it was a bit of a bloodbath here on opening day on the south side of Chicago. Well, the home opener of, on the south side of Chicago. But uh, we have a friend of the show here to help walk us through some therapy on, on what this rough day was. So... Let's bring in Vinny's favorite person and um, defeat he lost to her in the 108 tournament. Of course, I'm talking about Celeste Spaghetti. She's joining us on the show. Celeste, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me, guys. And sorry, Vinny. <laughs> That's okay, Celeste. You know, every now and then you participate in something like that. And you're like, oh, I want to beat my opponent's ass. You know, I just want to rub it in their face and win really bad. And then you realize that sometimes just in a specific moment, you're not as good as who you're going up against. And you were really good at making content. You did better than I did on that particular day. I didn't bring my A game and I lost. And quite frankly, you're more popular than me and more people like you. So you deserve the win more than I did. And, you know, I, I took it with uh, a lot of pride that I was able to lose to someone who was able to go on and have another good performance in a couple other rounds. So credit to you. You did a really good job. It was a fun time for sure. <laughs> It wasn't a fun time today on no, today was 35th awful. and Shield. Um, thanks for setting that up. And I you, you set it up and I spiked it hard. Uh, let's be honest, though. Michael Kopech didn't show up to play today. Uh, he had a rough day at the office. Um, so before we dive into more baseball talk, we have to dive into what the heck was going on with Michael Kopech today. Uh, Vinny, you, you tweeted that, you know, do you think maybe Kopech was – tipping his pitches today because man he was getting destroyed i mean major league baseball players very rarely give up four home runs in an inning and you know i think it set a giants record it was like the first time since 2011 that they did something like that there was something that i read i don't remember exactly what it was but for a pitcher like michael kopech one of his caliber to lay up four eggs like that in one inning where they were just kind of right over the plate. It's not like one of these batters went down and got one and drove it out of the field because they were magnificent hitters. I mean, they're all magnificent hitters. Make no mistake about it. But 
the fact that he had that poor of an outing, it made me wonder if something was up because in the first inning, everything was immaculate. He was The changeup was working. He had great. two strikeouts, and then the little roller back to him at the mound, and he threw him out at first base. I was like, Michael Kopech has his, like, seven-inning, two-hit, no-run type stuff in this game so far. And then, Celeste, you had a really funny tweet that I don't know if Joe will want me to repeat what it said on air after the first inning. But I was like, he's really got his stuff going today. And the second inning came around, third inning came around. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, not too good for Michael today. So that was my takeaway. I do think he was probably tipping his pitches a little bit. Yeah, and and just out of curiosity, I did not see the tweet. Celeste, you feel free to say what you tweeted because at this point, last week we went off the rails. We weren't a PG show last week, so I don't really care this week either. (laughs) Yeah, my tweets tend not to be PG. Um, I said after the first inning, I said Kopech got me so hard right now, which was true. Like he, that was a flawless inning from Kopech. Oh, I did see that. (laughs) And then it just went off the rails really quickly. So I, under that, I was like, this tweet has been deleted. Um, I I, I think I commented later in the day. I said the turtle went back in his shell. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, it was, it was unfortunate because I was so pumped after that first inning. I was like, this is going to be a great game. Like Descalifani was doing really good. Kobeck was doing, I was like, this is going to be, maybe we'll be a pitcher's duel. And just immediately after the first inning was anything but that. Yeah, it was it was rough. Uh, Zim, I don't know if you got to catch any of the game today or if you just had it on kind of in passing, but um, I think you saw the Luis Robert catch. So I think we could all agree, Zim, that we've been impressed with what we've seen out of Luis Robert this so far this season. Oh, Luis Robert. I mean, they mentioned it on the broadcast. Uh, he's in gold glove form already. The dude looks like he has really worked on his game in the offseason – whatever he's done. Um, I know Benetti and Stone were talking actually a little bit about him working on his uh, game on the warning track, basically, as he approaches the fence. And you could see yeah, it, especially in the Houston series, but on that home run robbery today, it was the most casual home run robbery I think I've ever seen. The guy just goes up to the wall and kind of waits for it and then just, oh, I got that. Like, it, it's it was such a relief to see, honestly, after the way this team has played defense for the last few seasons. Um, and I mean, Ben Benintendi kind of got off to a rough start in Houston as well. He, he bounced back. I will say defensively, at least, um, you know, playing off that short porch out there, but this team has been a defensive nightmare for a while. And it was so refreshing to see a guy who took some pride in his defense this off season and looks like he's ready to be the leader on the field again for this club. Yeah, uh, as long as he can get that back going too and kind of mix it up. I mean, that was our biggest criticism last year is like he wasn't amazing in the outfield. His bat was inconsistent. But to be fair, he was playing the last two weeks of the season with one arm, and he almost hit a home run with one arm, which is insane to think about. But And he did uh, hit a bomb today. I mean, right? He's he's looking like the total package so far this season. That's five games, but it's, it's better than uh, what he looked like for a lot of last year. This is very true. <laughs> um, all right. So we, we we talked about opening day today. I think we all want to forget about it. But the series in Houston, I don't know about you guys. I was overly impressed with this team. Not so much with runners in scoring position. Um, that was my biggest letdown. I think everyone would agree on that. But um, just the kind of 
I don't want to sound like a guy out of the 1940s, but he, they had a lot of moxie. You know, they uh, they really carried themselves in the base pass. They played good defense outside of Ben Attendi, um, which is surprising to say the least. But they just had a different feel to them. I know a lot of people don't agree, uh, but I feel like Pedro Grafal's team immediately through one series and, and feels completely different to me. Celeste, would you agree with that statement or do you feel that we're kind of in the same rails as we were last year? I mean, barring today, I totally agree with you. Um, I think I wouldn't be the first person to say Pedro's boys don't quit. Um, I think that we put up a, I mean, the, there were, there are obviously rough moments in Houston, um, but the series split was I think more than a lot of people would have expected coming off the heels of last year. Um, and that would made a lot of Sox fans really optimistic. I'm hoping today was just kind of like a anomaly. Um, you know, every, every pitcher has a bad day. There's probably a lot of pressure on Kopech. I don't know. I'm trying to give him an out. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, it, it was impressive what we did in Houston. I think the energy was different. The vibes are different. And I think that this is a rejuvenated team and we can carry that forward into the season. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing how Pedro runs that clubhouse. Uh, we'll talk about it in a little bit. We have a segment coming up shortly where we critique Pedro a little bit more. But before we get to that, Vinny, we talked a lot about Oscar Colas this offseason. Uh, we, had, we had Phil Selig from Cuba Dugout on who's been talking about Oscar Colas nonstop. This kid looks like he's the real deal, and he's paneling himself at the plate. Uh, he looks good in the outfield. Uh, he's running the base as well. I believe he's got a stolen base already on the season. Um, what what do you see from Oscar Colas so far, and are you as excited about him as I am? Because, you know, Celeste, spoiler alert, last show we did our season predictions, and I predicted Oscar Colas to be the rookie of the year in the American League. Yeah, I mean – Oscar Colas has all the tools and he wasn't in the opening day lineup, which kind of made me realize that Pedro Gafal is going to play some of the matchups. I think playing him, you know, and against that pitcher, it was a lefty and I'm not sure that they're going to do lefty on lefty, you know, as often as they can. There were a lot of righties stacked up and I was like, I actually like that Pedro Gafal is doing that with Oscar Colas because you can't throw him to the sharks, you know, yeah. is, you know, the way that you can some veteran type players and Cuba dugout Phil Selig and I talked about it a bunch. He has all the tools. There's going to be times this season where he looks like a rookie. And sure. today I thought it was odd that they didn't pinch hit for him when he was coming in in the ninth inning. And I was like, you know, this would be a good opportunity for a right-handed hitter. That's not in the lineup today to get an at bat. And they really, they let Oscar in and Steve stone made the point. He's like, well, we got to see if Oscar can do the lefty on lefty. You know, you're getting killed. Why not try it now? You had a position player pitching. And there's no better time than right now to, you know, kind of go for it like that. And Oscar Colas, he's got his couple career hits. He got his first extra base hit. We're still looking for that first career home run. He did get his first career RBI, though. It's all going to start coming for him. I think the thing that excites me the most is basically since Alex Rios, I think we <laughs> talked about on last show, they yeah. haven't had a consistent right fielder that you appreciate. It's been a lot of second round trip for Adam Eaton or Ugh. Nomar Nazara or, you know, other guys like that who you just know aren't going to be sticking around long term. 
there's a chance that Oscar Colas could be sticking around a little bit long term. Even if you're platooning him with someone one day, he's more along the lines of a guy you believe will be there for a while. So that's what I like most about the fact that he's around. For sure. And you alluded to the fact he didn't start the opening day game. Zim, we haven't seen Romy Gonzalez since. Uh, Are you perplexed by that at all? Because I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen him at all outside of that series. No, personally, I'm really not. I I think we talked about it last week that Griffal's the set it and forget it kind of manager. Um, And I think that's what we're going to see a lot this season. Um, So, you know, we'll see Romy from time to time, I think, maybe once a week, maybe twice a week. That's my best guess. I'm not an expert on any of this. I'm not going to pretend like I am. I I really get the feeling, though, that that Griffal has the guys that he likes, and that's who he's going to play. For sure. <laughs> and we haven't seen we didn't see Alberto get a, a bat until today. So that's another oh, we guy. saw him on the mound today too. Yeah, on the yeah. mound. Gas. He's got a he's got a zero ERA. That's better than Michael Kopek. He does have a lower ERA than Michael Kopek. I don't think he I had that in my bingo card. Do you guys ever wonder about that? Like position players come in and like you see Freddie Freeman strike out Anthony Rizzo. Like guys are so used to swinging at pitches that are like the slowest pitch you'll see is like seventy nine. Guy starts coming in here pumping fifty. Guy, it just seems to throw t- guys' timing off. I'm like, why hasn't a starter come in and just thrown fifty miles an hour and you know get a bunch of ground balls because guys are just trying to beat it to Pluto. I mean, I know if a major league hitter starts to get used to a fifty mile an hour pitcher, they'll blast it, but. I don't know. It always is interesting to me that these guys come in and go one, two, three more often than not. Yeah, I feel like there's something there to that there to that because like when I go to the batting cages and I'm like at Stella's, I'm hitting the 85 or whatever, and then I go to this like 34 miles per hour, the slow fish, and like I'm whiffing at all this stuff, and I was blasting these 85s. Like it's you're not used to it. it it's a completely different thing and so like the one two three i get that but you know i think after the one two three you're right it's it's <laughs> it will fold after that and i, guys I think get there's mad something you said you... go ahead zim go ahead okay guys get mad when you homer off of position players we went through this just sure. a couple years ago with your me mercedes yeah. like you're apparently not allowed to hit these guys so i guess they're doing them a courtesy by whiffing at these pitches well also i was going to say i think there's a lot to be said about it being late in the game too like they're already getting murdered. You know, these guys are just swinging at whatever, but I hear you. Um, it's, it's pretty wild. Uh, but I think we were all didn't, didn't expect to see any position players throwing today. Hopefully we don't have to see any more this week. It's early, but I'm hoping there's no more position players throwing pitches this week. You want some good uh, news? That would, I do want some good news. Uh, Johnny Cueto was zero and one and the twins. I mean, it's not good that the twins won by any means, but it is. It does make me feel a little better that Johnny Cueto got absolutely dummy today. He kind of got. He got pulled out. I think he was injured. Did oh? Did he get pulled out? Yeah. Yeah. Cueto gave up four runs. Oh, he gave up four runs on three hits in one inning pitched. So he definitely got hurt and pulled after yeah, getting I, destroyed. I was watching that game a little bit, and it looked like he wasn't feeling it. Uh-oh. Like, yeah, he kind of. I felt bad. It looked like he got injured. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he just felt like shit because. Where do you guys where do you guys stand on that? Because like part of me wants to see him get destroyed and be like, okay, the White Sox made a good decision. Or but also part of me wants to be like, hey, Johnny Cueto, shove it up Rick Hahn and Jerry Reinsdorf's hoop and <sighs> fit really well and make them look dumb so that there'll finally be some change with this team. 
Uh, I don't know. I'm somewhere in between. Uh, I really don't care anymore. Um, yeah. Unless he's on my fantasy team, then I'll be pissed. Fair. I've I've yeah. always been a Cueto fan. I talked about it when they picked him up last year. I grew up, you know, watching the Rockies out here, and they play the Giants all the time, which is where uh, Cueto came from. And I don't know something about his just vibes on the on the mound always stood out to me. So I've always rooted for the guy, and I will continue to root for him even if he's not in a White Sox uniform. Yeah, I kind of feel <laughs> the same as them. Like I don't know, dude's vibes were great. Um, he didn't. I mean, he, he did a good service for us last year. He was a bright spot in a pretty shitty year. So, you know, I wish him the best. And, it you know, you could probably predict that he would fall back a little bit this year, and that's that's fair. But uh, I wish the guy the best, for real. And a guy that we're all wishing the best, he's the new manager of the Chicago White Sox. Nice. And we, we – Thank you. We we have a new segment. Um, well, it's the same segment as last year. Uh, the graphics have yet to be updated. They will be updated by next week. My 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 graphics guy is he is busy. He's not feeling good. It's okay, but uh, it's it's gonna say Larusa's locker on the screen. But actually, the segment is called Pedro's pen. Yes, this is the part of the show where we get to either criticize or praise Pedro Grafal and, and his work in the dugout and with the bullpen and all of the above. So I can just leave it as an open floor. I guess we'll let it, we can let our guest go first. Uh, Celeste, I'm just curious what you think the first five games with Pedro Grafal in the White Sox dugout. See, I feel like this is kind of a loaded question because, yeah, you can nitpick at stuff. Pedro did like he was not 100% perfect manager there were some issues but the bars on the floor <laughs> sure. so, like not saying much right yeah so I mean I beggars can't be choosers I'm happy that we don't have Tony anymore I'm happy that the decisions that are being made are better than they would have been so what what are you gonna do I'm not gonna complain too much um because I you know you wouldn't have expected Jerry to make a change in matters to begin with. So the fact that we have somebody else is, is all I feel like I am allowed to ask for at this point. Sure. And, and, and you can feel the difference in the dugout. Um, mm-hmm. You can see he's more of a statistics based guy. You can see, I mean, alone, we, we just talked about it, him not starting Oscar Colas on opening night in Houston. Uh, that's a very, like that would never happen under Tony La Russa. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's immediately a big change there, but, I know Vinny and Zim, I know you guys will have your own critiques, but the number one thing that really irked me today, how do you let Kopech give up that many home runs and not have somebody warmed up? Like, Yeah, I yeah. texted he you waited. about it as soon as I noticed it because it was so shocking to me that I would, that nobody was warming up, that it took until the fourth home run for Diekman to get started warming up in the pen and then he didn't even bring him in right away because he wasn't warm you have to let the guy you know get his arm in a position otherwise you're just throwing him out there to continue to give up bombs or blow out his arms so (laughs) it was mind-boggling to me that it's like first of all even without all the home runs given up he was at like 80 plus pitches like you gotta be ready to bring somebody in 
at a moment's notice when a guy starts getting up in pitch count and it's still that early in the game. I mean, it was only the fifth inning, five innings, 80 pitches. Got to be aware of that. And it makes me wonder if either he wasn't aware of it or if he really just wanted Kopech to like feel it out or maybe Ethan Katz wasn't doing his job with it. Something wasn't right there. That's the only thing that I can really deduce from it is something wasn't right. Yeah, and, and and I think that's something over the course of the season. You would hope that Pedro starts to get to know these guys a little bit better, you know, their tendencies. Um, I mean, we know Michael Kopech. You would hope that Pedro has done his homework on all these guys, but I give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because it's early on, but, like, still, he just waited too long for me. Um, Vinny, I'm curious if there's anything immediately that stands out to you with Pedro's decision-making or something that he's done well or not so well over the course of the last five games? So far through five games, the management of pitching has not been an upgrade over Tony La Russa, in my opinion. Um, but I will say this. The vibes are better. Yes, they are. Starting lineups are better. Yep. And I, I just think the overall makeup of the team with him in the dugout is better. And so I think there were a couple times where his pitching decisions he made him look like a rookie manager. The whole example here with Zim uh, talking about warming up after Kopech clearly was not having it today. Um, there was game one where the decision was made when they were still in the game – or game two, excuse me. They were still in the game, and they went to Jose Ruiz and Diekman. And I think Pedro Grafal is quickly going to learn that you don't go to Jose Ruiz in high leverage situations. You put him in when the game is out of reach and he probably shouldn't even be on the roster anyway, um, which you could blame Rick Hahn or whoever you want to blame for that part. But, you know, I haven't seen a guy with a one, two count be walked yet. I haven't seen a guy with a 46 weighted runs created plus batting second yet. You know, Leary Garcia, sorry, Celeste is off the team. Um, I just – I think there are a lot of things that have gone right in terms of decision-making that he's made so far. And Celeste nailed it on the head when she first started talking. Like, you – the bar's so low. So like, <laughs> Pedro Grafal just kind of had to come in and bring some good vibes, make it seem like a 70s sitcom, and the team will be better naturally. And I don't think they perform well in that series. <laughs> so – you know, I have enjoyed what I've seen so far from him. The team that played today was not the team that was there in Houston, even in the losses that they had against the Astros. No. Some of the losses, they had a chance to win both of them. And it kind of slipped away in the end. They weren't able to come back. This game was just, they kind of looked like they weren't ready to play at all. Opening day, I don't know what was going on. But off day tomorrow, is, that's another task as a manager. How do you handle the off day? How do you guys ready for Wednesday with your ace on the so, again, it's five games, but I do feel like it's been an upgrade already so far. Yeah, uh, I think we all feel we're happy to have, get rid of Tony. Uh, like you, you brought up, you brought up Larry Garcia, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask Celeste her thoughts about that decision. Um, how are you doing? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> I can separate the art from the artist. Um, I, you know, and I, I agree with Vinny. Like, 
I, I think that's the problem is that we're so used to Tony making such bad decisions, like putting Lurie Garcia in the two hole. He did not belong there. He should have never been there. So that's just reiterates the fact that the bar is on the floor. Um, so it, it's, yeah, it's hard. I mean, Pedro is a rookie manager. He's, he's going to make rookie mistakes. Um, yeah. And you know, I kind of – I always try to check myself because if I get pissed about a decision, I'm like, he's a rookie manager and it's still better than last year. So, like, I always try to, like, humble check myself because I can't – we have such a talented roster, um, such natural talent, but it does take a good, a good manager to kind of, like, bring that all together. And that's something we can achieve, but we're not going to sure. achieve that in the first five games. Most likely not. Uh, it'll it'll be a season long process, but yeah, these guys will start to gel. Give them some time. Um, but Zim, one thing you'd mentioned to me earlier that I want to get your thoughts on is Pedro's challenges um, over the last yeah. couple games. Um, there's been some good. There's been some bad. I'm just curious, you know, your thoughts on it. Well, I've seen two. I think there's only been the two. Um, he's over two on those two. But I think they were both like really good challenges and really smartly played. Um, you know, the first is the Yoamankata slide into third. Um, looked safe, depending on the camera angle that you view it from, um, until you see that one shot where where the glove goes right into his face, and it's pretty clear he was about a about a half a foot short. And you know, I like him being aggressive in that situation. You know, make the umpires double check themselves and and look at it. Uh, and then there was the nonsense challenge yesterday that I'm not sure how it wasn't overturned. The hit by pitch uh, on, I don't know, uh, Mick something or another from the Astros. Some guy oh, who was yeah, yeah. feasting against the White Sox that I've never heard of, which seems to happen all the time. Um, but <laughs> live at the ballpark, he was clearly out, Travis says. So, I mean, hey, that's okay. I'm, I'm all for it. Again, I appreciate that looking at the camera angles, there was an argument to be made at least. So I think it was a good use of it, um, especially in a high leverage situation where having that runner on third really changes the game. And then, but the one yesterday, I think the umpires blew it. I think Grifal was totally within his means to challenge the the ball hitting the, they said it hit him in the hand. It really hit the nub of the bat. Um, and it was pretty clear that it hit the nub of the bat. Sorry. Somebody's computer's talking. I don't know. Who that Somebody's is. got Siri. Siri was uh, piping in there. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but anyway, the, the ball hit off the nub of the, the knob of the bat. And I mean, it was pretty clear to me. It's pretty clear to anybody who like understands physics that a ball doesn't hit a fleshy part of somebody's hand and bounce that far away. Yeah. Um, and per the rule book, if the ball hits the bat, it's a foul ball. It doesn't matter what happens before or after that. If it hits the bat, it's a foul yep. ball. So I really appreciate him st sticking with the rule book on that, challenging that play, telling the umpires they were wrong after they got it wrong. I kind of wish he would have argued a little more about it, but uh, you know, Sox won. So I guess that's what matters. <laughs> that is all that matters at the end of the day. We got that split. Um, runners in scoring position has been a problem, uh, to say the least. 
And I don't know. I mean, part of that goes on Grafal, goes on the staff. Um, it does. And I want to I want to make that part clear because I still see a lot of Tony truthers out there trying to defend Tony to this day for uh, <laughs> yeah the, the, the players not executing. And it's like, look, to a certain extent, yes, it's absolutely on the players, right? The players have to execute in certain situations. But if the players are consistently not executing in certain situations, that is on the manager. You have to find out why they aren't executing. It's, it's, it's the Matt Nagy bears, right? We got to find the why. All right. Find the why. Figure it out. That's what you get paid the big money to do. Um, and yesterday, at least, it kind of seemed like they figured some of it out. They started to put it together. They started to change their approach at the plate. But then today, to me, the approach was back to what it was day one in Houston. It was giving the pitcher... Uh, a, a strike working from behind in the count almost the whole game. Um, it, it was frustrating, but that is what it is. The approach will change as time goes on, as long as Pedro is actually doing his job and being a good manager. Um, and that is the problem that I think a lot of us had over the last two years is sure. the approach never changed. That's why it feels and different to me, even though we... Go ahead, Joe. No, I was just gonna say that's. I mean, that's that's the thing. Even though we had all these guys stranded with uh, with runners in scoring position, it still feels different than Tony. You know, you can go with your you can go with your thought here, Vinny. I just was saying it, it does. It feels different, even though it's a lot of the same. Yeah, and like as Christina points out in the chat, he's not gonna walk a guy with a one-two count, or he's not gonna fall asleep in the dugout. And we wish Tony well with his, you know, his health issues, of course. But I just I think the whole thing with Tony LaRusso was a complete dud. And speaking of duds, we are going to talk about who has been not so great with the Chicago White Sox in the last week or show. And our favorite segment, the Adam Dud of the Week. You suck. You suck. Suck. Stupid. Lousy. No excuse. What a dud. What a total, total dud. Yes, that's right. It's time for the Adam Dud of the week. Everyone can have their own nominee. Uh, I have some wonderful statistics here that are going to make us feel absolutely wonderful about ourselves. But uh, curious, uh, I can. I guess we'll leave with the we'll let the, we'll let the guests lead off here. Is there someone this week, Celeste, that when you think of this team, you're like, man, they put up a dud of a stinker of a week. Um, I I won't go with the obvious. I'll go with this. We'll talk about him later on, but yeah. <laughs> go with the other obvious. Um, I I don't know what Jose Ruiz is still doing on this team. Like, why? Why are you here? Like, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you brought him he was up. Good, he was we good were... for Venezuela, though. He was good for Venezuela in the World he Baseball actually, Classic. He was really good in the World Baseball know, Classic. Like, scary good. Like to the point. I mean, every single White Sox player who played in the World Baseball Classic, we, we talked about this last week, every single one of them had a great tournament. So it was like there was all this hope and all this hype, and some of the guys have carried it over, and then there's Jose Ruiz. Well, the guys who have carried it over are the guys who we knew had innate talent. Like, Moncada had that talent. We knew it was there. He had some bad years, um, but we knew what his ceiling was. And, like, and, he, and now he's back. Hopefully, um, hopefully this stays consistent. <laughs> who, That's right. Who, who we got when we got on originally, but like 
<laughs> I don't think I've like other than the World Baseball Classic, I've never been like Jose Ruiz. Yes, he's gonna he's that guy. <laughs> like he's got a lot uh that he can bring to us. He just has to put it together. Like that sentence has never crossed my mind. I don't like I don't think I, we could get somebody better. I don't know. It just it seems like kind of a waste of a spot to me. Yeah, he had a rough rough week. Two innings, six hits, seven earned runs, two homers, one hit batsman, and three walks in a whopping two innings. That's that's Not quite the that's quite the that's, that's quite a the bad run. That's a busy two innings, is what it is. Yeah, forgettable two innings for sure. Uh, good choice, Celeste. Uh, I, he was definitely on my list, so I'm glad you grabbed him. Uh, Zim, who do you got for your dud of the week? Um, I mean, the the really obvious one, I think, is Benintendi. He was really bad through uh, spring training and has continued to be that way. Um, the, the disappointing part is, aside from an awful slash line of three for 21, uh, he just has looked a little slow in the outfield. Um, there were a couple balls in Houston I felt like he should have gotten to that he didn't. And again, he he rebounded pretty well. He sort of started to figure it out towards the end of that series. Um, I don't think they hit a single ball his way today, uh, at least that stayed in the park. So <laughs> regardless, it, it's just odd. He was the big free agent acquisition, pretty much the only sure. new blood on this roster. And uh, for him to come up kind of being a dud, it's it's disappointing to say the least. So I really hope that he can turn it around here in the next week or two. Um, you never know, though. Some guys are just slow starters. I, I don't know Benintendi historically. Um, so we'll see how the rest of the season goes for him. I've had him in fantasy many times, and he's always a second-half player for me in fantasy. But I don't I don't know historically. I've only had him a couple times. So, um, But what I can say is he had a bit of a dud of a week. Um for considering he was batting, I believe third in most of the games this week, uh, the fact that he only scored three times and got on base a total of, uh, well, I guess he had the, he had three hits and he had two walks, uh, so he got on base five times. Um, it's not ideal for a guy that you have in a three spot. Obviously, they've changed the lineup since then. Uh, hopefully, things get better there. But Benatendi, you are a dud this week. Vinny Parisi, who you got for your dud? Elvis Andrews has stunk so far. Everyone thought he was going to be the savior, which he still might be like a really good player for this team. There's no doubt. Switching positions, an elder player, um, two for 19, 105 batting average, a stolen base, and three strikeouts. You're not looking for your nine hitter to come in and save the world. Obviously, Zim's Andrew Benintendi pick is a little bit better than mine. I That's probably who I would have said to because, uh, you know, that's the highest paid player in the history of your organization. But you know, I digress. Elvis Andrews is he's there to be a little bit better than he's been right now. You're not I don't know if you're necessarily going to get September of 2022 Elvis Andrews just because that doesn't seem necessarily fair to expect sure. that from him. But as long as he can be better than what they would have gotten from a replacement level second baseman, that's what we're hoping for as the, the season goes along. I do think a veteran starting off like that is better than a young guy. Because you know Elvis Andrews is at minimum going to put up an okay season. Sure. The first five games, that's what we want. I hear you, buddy. <clears throat> I hear you. Good choice. 
Uh, we talked about it before, but I'm going to go with the obvious because uh, let's be honest, it was a rough day at the office. Michael Kopech, I just want to look at his stats on paper. We're all third. trying to forget about it, Joe. We all just want to move on, get today behind us. <sighs> yeah, dude, chill. The segment's talking about a dud, and I think he is the definition of a dud today. He, the the wick never even got all the way down to the firework, never even blew off. But four and a third, seven earned runs, five homers, three walks, five Ks. Just an absolutely abysmal performance. Uh, I don't want to give it much more thought than that. You know um, what sucks is if if you pull them a third of an inning sooner, and I know you couldn't have known that this was going to happen. But if you pull him at four innings, he actually had a decent game. And then he just started giving up bomb after bomb after bomb. I don't know what happened there. but It was pretty obnoxious. Uh, watching it in real time was <clears throat> it was horrifying. So I, yeah. I want to try to forget about it as well. Uh, speaking of something that Zim wants to forget about. Yeah, I got an honorable mention here in this segment because it wouldn't be a South Burbs Hitman show without me shitting on some aspect of the catching. So That's the. Right. <laughs> The cat, the, the the overall defense behind the plate these five games was just awful. Uh, five total pass balls, six total stolen bases allowed, Yeesh. only one caught stealing. Uh, was not good. I've also noticed Yaz is his his he doesn't have a pop. Uh, he's thrown from his knees every time he throws down to second base, and you got to have a cannon to do that. Um, he's just not going to get guys like that. And I have a feeling it's probably injury related uh, to some degree. You know, he looks like he finally does have his legs underneath him. At least he's been great at the plate. That's for sure. Um, there is no denying his bat has been missed and it is awesome to see him stroking the bat, the ball, the way he does um, watching him stroke, <laughs> <laughs> but just the defense is inexcusable. It makes me wonder if uh, if he doesn't have the mobility that he used to, you know, because, again, he's thrown well, from sure. the knees. He's missing a lot, a lot of balls in the dirt. Um, I mean, four pass balls, that's only the ones that are accounted for. You know, there's, there's others when guys aren't on base that he's whiffing on, um, you know, balls that should be backhanded that he's trying to block. Balls that should be blocked that he's trying to backhand, vice versa. He's the the catching as a whole has allowed three runs over the last five games, just on pass balls alone. That's inexcusable. That's three free runs for the other team. Uh, uh, over over a hundred sixty two game season, that's a lot. That's a lot of runs given up. You that's can't have that happen. Chronic problem with the Yaz, though. I mean, we've never been like, yes, Yaz, the defensive catcher. Like, no. his, yeah, like his bright spot has always been his bat, which wasn't there last year. So, I think my main issue with it is, is that when you have a guy who's good at the plate, you need him to at least be average in the field, right? It's the Eloy problem. Mm -hmm. We've seen it in Chicago plenty. You need him to at least be average in the field. And when he's not average in the field, it's a detriment to your ball club. I mean, well, Zim, you want to do one thing you got to talk about here too. Pedro Grafal was a major league catcher. Uh, this is something that's going to have to be a focus with this team. You would imagine he's going to have to have some sort of conversation with these guys. I mean, that's what he that was his bread and butter yeah. in the majors, right? Yeah, I mean, and part of it is definitely going to be figuring out these new rules, right? You're only allowed so many disengagements. Um, catch 
the the way that catchers now have to manage the game as far as the timing goes is totally different. Pitchers have to manage their timing different. Again, the disengagements totally messes with your ability to hold a runner. And I understand it's for pace of play and all that, but what it's done is it's fundamentally changed the way the base running works sure. in MLB. Like you're going to see, we've already seen a vast, uh, a skyrocket in stolen bases and stealing attempts. Um, you know, historically since the dawn of major league baseball until now league average for caught stealing attempts is about 30%, 30 to 33%, right? Not for us. Well, <laughs> right about now, the Sox are sitting at about uh, 12%. That's horrible. Meanwhile, you got guys like Pudge Rodriguez, who's Hall of Fame catcher, one of the best to ever do it. Sure. His career caught stealing percentage is around 50%. That's I mean, crazy. just unreal numbers. So, you know, yeah, that was special. That was different. I'm not expecting them to be Pudge out there. I'm just expecting average. And it's frustrating not to see at least that happening. Yeah. Hopefully there's some change on the horizon now that we have a catcher, a former catcher as a manager. So you got to hope there's some changes coming down the pipe there, but let's move on to the opposite of a dud. And it's what we like to call our put it on the board player of the week. All right, so there's quite a few players that had a really, really good week, or in this case, five games. <laughs> um, the, some of the bats are hotter than others, and some of the arms are red hot. So, Celeste, as our distinguished guest, we will let you have the first pick for your put-it-on-the-board player of the week. Yeah, I'm going to go with Luis. Um, I was a little bit worried after watching the World Baseball classic i was like i is he gonna put it together like what what's going on i mean he's still he has a lot to improve his pitch selection is not great but the dude is just so naturally talented that even his bad like that home run he got the other day was at his shoes and he yeah. still like easily put that over the wall um he's such a bright player uh and his I mean, his defense is incredible. So I just, yeah, he's, he's a bright spot on this roster, even when he's not doing his 100. And that's pretty special. I'm encouraged by the fact that, like, I'm going to be honest with you, the first couple games, he had no approach at the plate. He looked absolutely lost. And the fact that he bounced back from that, and he's, I think his average is like 261 right now. Yeah, 261. Uh, he still got the two homers, two RBIs, uh, and seven strikeouts, which may sound high, but for 23 at-bats, for Luis Robert, that's an improvement. So I'm just hoping that he continues to God, that's stop. Sad. It is sad. But it is a little sad. <laughs> he's leaving, le leaning off the stuff in the dirt. I was I was encouraged by that as well. So that's, that's a great choice, Celeste. Uh, I tell you, if you replace his batting average with his strikeout rating, uh, strikeout average, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, either way, we're happy to have his defense, especially in the last couple of days. Yeah. That's been a big improvement. Uh, Zim, what do you got for your put it on the board player of the week? Yeah, I'm going to throw it right back to the guys I was just crapping all over, the the catchers. Those guys have put it together at the plate this week. <laughs> Honestly, it, you know, these guys 
Uh, the two of them have a combined four RBIs, right? I was just complaining that they gave up three runs on their own, like between the two of them. Uh, well, guess what? They scored four runs as well. So we're at a net differential of plus one. I will take the positive. All right. It's, it's a little frustrating to see what happens behind the plate, especially when you see what's happening at the plate. But you see it right there. Five of 15 for Yaz, two, two for three for Sebi. Um, you know, that's a that combined seven for 18. I would take that all day. Seven for 18 is a great week for any player, any any position. So getting that. Um, now, if we add, can we add their batting averages, right? That's a thousand batting average if we add it. 333 <laughs> and 667. There right? you go. These guys are hitting it every time they get to the plate. And it feels like it right now, though, honestly. That shot that Yaz hit, uh, what was that? Was that opening day? Yeah. That was that was a monster shot. That looked like classic Yasmani Grandal. That was that was Milwaukee Brewers Yasmani Grandal right there. Mm-hmm. That was sexy. Yeah. For he, sure. he looks he looks good. I mean, we're you just gotta hope he can stay healthy. Um, well, and that's why I say why why I'm upset with his defense because he does look healthy. He looks good. He should be able to do all of these things. Um, again, but but having his bat back in the lineup is is awesome. I. Would love to see the rest of his game elevate to that level now. I wholeheartedly agree, Zim, but uh, happy to see Yaz at least back for the time being. And uh, surprisingly, he only had two walks this week. I, I thought he'd have more than that, but he still got on base. He still walked. Vinny Parisi, who is your put-on-the-board player of the week, sir? Before I give my player of the week, I want to read you guys the funniest text message I ever received in my entire life. It's from my mom. Just recently, just now? 844. Okay. Is she the girl that made the donkey video? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves this freaking video of the dragon spitting out my head, and I'm obsessed with it too. What what was the dragon's name? We just oh, watched Shrek? Shrek recently. I just watched it recently. I can't remember what her name is. But that is honestly the funniest. That won you the game, in my opinion. Like you made that, and I was like, I have no shot. I have but, to give a shot. I did not make that myself. I, I have to give a shout out to Jeff White. That's Jeff White zero one nine on Twitter. Uh, he is he's a we're big Shrek fans. <laughs> we DM about like Shrek every day. So, <laughs> so I should have worn my Shrek shirt. It's really funny. It is so funny. I'm gonna make a video. I'm gonna come up with a Shrek video of someone decapitating you if we get matched up next year, and I'm gonna. He's- I'm still going to get but <laughs> that was really funny. So my put on the board player of the week, um, I'm going to go with my guy only because it's probably going to be the last time I name him. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong that this is the last time we put him as a put it on the board player of the week. But Yohan Moncada, 9 for 21, batting 429, three home runs, four RBIs, one win. Uh, I'd like to see him walk a little more. Obviously, his on-base percentage is something that made him so – Lethal in 2019, his ability to take pitches for strikes and I used to, or for balls. And I used to always say, robot umps would benefit Yoan Moncada more than any player in the league. And yeah. I still kind of believe that. It's been phenomenal. And he's been, you know, destroying the baseball basically since he came up. Some really good third base. He had the only White Sox infield in the first series. Um, the first credited air. I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean anything because he still plays phenomenal defense, and there are a couple big plays that he made there too. So I'm really happy to see Yoan Mankata. It seems to me 
that on White Sox Twitter, there's been a little more positivity surrounding Yoan Moncada lately. We all want Yoan to succeed. He's one of the more fun players to um, watch on this team. I mean, we didn't question what the donkey's name was. We questioned what the dragon's name was. We <laughs> know that donkey's name is donkey. I'm going to Google this. We're the on dragon's it. name is dragon. Is it? Is it I really? just looked this up a couple weeks ago because we were watching Shrek. That's really funny. So donkey and dragon sitting in a tree. Yeah. Okay. Hey. Yon Moncada. No, Wiki- Wikipedia is telling me the dragon's name is Elizabeth. <laughs> no, I've never uh, heard that. No shot. Wikipedia is wrong, even though it's probably I right. have no idea. <laughs> That's funny. That's I, really I funny. Well, <laughs> I'm dead because of the dragon, so I pick Yon Moncada. But back, yo, 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 you're looking good. Back to the picks to click, or to put it on the board, excuse me. Yoan yeah. Moncada is a triple crown candidate at this exact moment in time, <laughs> and nobody can take Five that games into the him. season? I'll laugh if he wins the triple crown, Zim. That would be hilarious. I, I should go put a bet on that right now. <laughs> it would pay. You should bet a dollar. You'd probably win a million bucks if he did it. Probably. No shot. No, I put it on the board player of the week. It's a bit of an obvious one, but I think we have to discuss it. Dylan Cease was unbelievable on opening day. Six and a third. One earned run, which was a BS earned run. Ten strikeouts. One hit batsman and zero walks. That's what we like to see out of Dylan. That control was the command was just chef's kiss. So props to Dylan. He lit it up. We'll be seeing him again. Oh, he's pitching. He's pitching uh, Wednesday, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I better start him in fantasy again. <laughs> yeah, he will be on the mound. He's been outstanding. Yeah. So those zero walks were big for him because that was his problem last year. And I, I mean, it's one one game, one start that we saw, but it, that's still big. And if he can carry that into the rest of the games and show that he can even being a Cy Young candidate can still improve. That's, I mean, dude is unreal. We're lucky to have him. And considering the spring he had, I know Vinny, we talked about this before the season started, but he had that one really bad start, but then the next start in spring, he really hauled it in and he looked much better. So it's nice to see that he took that momentum into the start of the season. And I think you're only, you're going to see him get better. I mean, uh, I mean, if he pitched that good against the Astros, I don't want to crap on the on the Giants after they hit seven home runs on us today. But that lineup is not anywhere nearly as deadly as the lineup of the Astros. So um, I'm excited to see what Cease can do against them, uh, especially after the performance that they put up today. Maybe silence those bats a little bit. Yeah, and the Giants, they're they got two out of three losses against the Yankees in the first series. And the two teams in the league that finished 81 and 81 last year were the Giants and the White Sox. So it's not like anybody should be really super scared of the Giants. They're a pretty good team. The White Sox are a pretty good team. Um, One of them might be able to rise above just because they don't play in the same division as the Dodgers and the Padres. But, you know, Dylan C should be able to come in, see this lineup and do what he does best. I, I agree though. I think keeping the walks down is huge. You can argue that cost him a Cy Young, just not being so great with the walks last year. Not that it really, it didn't really harm his run prevention or as much as you would think based on the number of walks to his total RBI and Verlander's 
ERA was so much lower that it was kind of hard to argue against them by the end of the year. But I don't know. The sky's the limit for Dylan Cease. I think that's a great pick. Yeah, we're we're a little excited about our guy. You know, I think rightly so. We're all we're all just a little little over the moon about it. So all right. We're gonna dive into one more segment and for this one, Celeste, I know you're probably going to get out of here after it, but we want to keep you around. Uh, this right. next one, we're going to talk about the upcoming matchups and then do our picks to click, which we're going to include you on for the week in a segment we like to call White Sox Weekly. Taking a look at the week ahead, we got two more against the Giants and then three against Celeste's other favorite team, <laughs> the Baltimore Orioles. What a proper week to have Celeste on the show. So let's do a brief dive into these matchups. Of course, we just alluded to it. Cease going up against Logan Webb here on Wednesday. Um, it's a pretty good matchup, better on paper than than it is statistically right now. Webb kind of got knocked around in this first game, but still had 12 strikeouts, which is crazy. <laughs> uh, of course, Dylan Cease being the ace of the staff, looking forward to seeing him. A lot of these are still going to be TBD. Um, Alex Wood going up against Lance Lynn on Thursday. That's going to be the day game here. Actually, is the other one a day game or a night game? Oh, they're both day games. Okay, Wednesday and Thursday, day games. Oh, wait, was I wrong? We don't. We're playing the Pirates, not the Orioles. I'm losing yeah, my mind here. Pirates, Twins, then Orioles. I'm looking at the wrong schedule, man. You think uh, I must have had too much cough syrup this morning? I don't know if you can still tell, but it's it's Lay hanging off. out in my lane. <laughs> yeah, well, let's uh, we'll talk about the Orioles next time you're on the show, Celeste. Um, but uh, then we get uh, three against three against the Pirates after that. So that's the Pirates' home opener. Isn't it kind of crazy, guys, that the Pirates don't have a home opener until over a week after the season starts? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wild, actually. And I'm it's also to... wild for, like, a team to have to go to someone's home opener after playing, you know, eight games or whatever. That That's weird to me, too. So it's interesting, but it's the oh, If I love this balanced schedule so far. Yeah. I mean so I'm not used to it, but like, I don't, I don't know about it. Did were you taken back when they said on the broadcast today it's the first time the Chicago White Sox have ever had a National League team as their home opener? That was like wow, something years. That's crazy. Yeah. But then again, like until two years ago or three years ago, however long you only played National League teams for like June, and that was the only time interleague play existed was that one month of the season. So. Well, it's this whole setup is strange. I was looking at the schedule, and like we don't play the Detroit Tigers until like the end of May. It's yeah, bonkers. It's, yeah, that's weird. I feel and like it advantages West Coast teams because they have to travel so much more than all the other teams, which I don't care because my team's not West Coast. But <laughs> <laughs> if I was a West Coast team fan, then I'd probably be a little bit upset about it. I mean, honestly, the Sox are far enough west compared to some of these teams that they really do have to travel a lot more compared to some of these other guys. Yeah. So. I, like an 11,000-mile difference for the Giants this year compared to last year. Like, that's, that kind of really sucks. 
Yeah. It does. They, they, I talked about this one time doing my hockey show. Like the teams in the Eastern Conference, their travel schedule is like significantly less like Dallas. So, so like apply it to baseball, like the Rangers and Astros are sneaky, not close to anyone in their division. They have to travel to LA, Seattle, Oakland, where like the Orioles, Red Sox, Blue Jays, and Yankees, they're all like within a two hour plane ride of each other, if that sometimes. So it's, it's something people don't necessarily think about when it comes to like players signing with teams. Like there's GMs out there that tell people, It'll add an extra three years to your career if you sign with us. And then guys are like, and they think about it, and they're like, oh, okay. So it's weird. It is weird. It's going to make for an interesting season. And the last part of this segment, we're going to go into our picks to click for the week, and then we'll let Celeste get out of here since we, she gave us a wonderful hour of her time. But Celeste, for your pick to click for this week, I'm just curious. You get to go first. You get the pick of the bunch. Anyone on the team? Who is your pick to click it's for gonna, this week? It's going to be Dylan. All right. If she wins this over me, too, I'm blocking her. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's only got one start this week. It'll be fine. Hey, we have a we have a one shot a new a new process this year. Where last year I just decided who won pick to click, but now we're going to put up a poll on Twitter every single week and let let the people decide. So. Uh, you will Celeste, be part of that poll this week. Last season, Celeste, anytime Dylan sees had two starts in the same week, somebody would pick him. Of course, you know, the winner would always pick him for pick to click and he never lost anybody pick to click. I think That's each how good of us, he was. I think each of us took him at least once. I know I picked him at least twice on those. Weeks. But and I, I mean, he was just he's he's the ace in the hole. I think he led the league la- or let the team last year in Sunday starts. And if you're a Sunday starter, you're almost guaranteed two starts that week because you definitely had one earlier in the week, and then you land right. again. So, Dylan sees. Vinny, since we got you talking right now, who's your pick to click for the week? My pick to click is my guy, Yoan Moncada. Let's go for two mm. in a row, two good weeks in a row. I just cursed him. Um, yes, 2022, Yoan is back. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hope he keeps it going because if he keeps it going – Listen, the White Sox starters aren't going to give up five home runs a game, you know, all season long. If, they better not. If they pitch the way they did in their first four games, they'll be a pretty good team this year. And I think a big key to them scoring enough runs to be a postseason team is Mr. Desastre Personnel himself, Yoan Moncada. I'm rooting for him. I have a Moncada jersey. I'll wear it if he wins next week's show. I'm wearing my Moncada jersey right now. Let's go. City go. Connect. City Connect. <laughs> I need a City Connect jersey. I don't have one. Yo, I have a hat. Yo, yo. Not embarrassed to wear it this year yet. So hopefully that. You will be. Don't, don't, don't say the yet. Don't say the yet. It will be by Mother's Day. <laughs> oh, no. uh, we'll see. He's going to stay on fire. He's going to be like this year's. Oh, I don't want to say that either. You're mean Mercedes. <laughs> that's a curse of death as well. Yeah, that's uh, a good thing. <laughs> <clears throat> But uh, Zim, what do you got for your pick to click? Man, I I want to, um, so I'm going to. Oscar Colas. Oscar Colas, sneaky, has a 300 batting average on the season, 294. You know, only through four games. Remember, he didn't play in one of them. Um, no, he did. He got two at bats in that game. Still, he mm-hmm. came in and released. Yep. That's right. Um, but regardless, t- today was 
his only really bad game and he still looked good in the field. Um, no, he, he hits his first career home run this week. Pick I the click. So. Uh, he, he's going to, he's going to get that chip off the shoulder or whatever the block off the back and just be off to the races for the rest of the year. I like it, man. I, I took, I took Colas in the last round, a lot of my fantasy drafts. So I'd love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, just real, real quick recap for everybody here. Here's our pick to click choices. I oh, I, I didn't say mine yet. Sorry. Uh, spoiler alert. I'm gonna go with Andrew Vaughn. I feel Wait, like he's gonna. You're not gonna pick Luis Robert. No, I'm not. We're just going to leave him dangling out there for all, everybody to make fun of us next week. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure that that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought long and hard about it. It was definitely long and definitely hard, but uh andrew vaughn i feel like is gonna have a huge week uh you know he's, he gets more bats at home uh he's gonna get that chicago win this week uh i just feel like andrew's gonna tee off i think he's gonna have a couple bombs i think he's gonna be an rbi machine um going going vaughn so that's my pick to click for the week so recap for everybody i'm going with andrew vaughn zim's going with oscar colas Vinny with yoan Mankata, and celeste is going with dylan cease and assist We'll put the poll up um, probably Sunday. I don't know. Vinny, what do you think? We should probably figure out the rules here when we put up the poll. I think I think Monday games shouldn't count. Right. So, like, you put it up Sunday after the game. Sunday and afternoon. you let it run. Or, yeah, Sunday afternoon, whenever the game on Sunday ends, and you run it until, until the show, the until show the at 8 o'clock. I would do it till the show. Okay. No, because then the game might influence some people. Until yeah, the I'll do it at the game time. Game. That's okay. Yeah. Let and the game of... influence people. The game is being played before the show starts. I think if if people All want right. to count it, they can, and if they don't, they don't. I like that. I like that. Leave it to the people's discretion. Because Monday's a day too. People care about Monday. It's my favorite day of the week. It's a day that ends in Y. Exactly. All right. Well, Celeste, we cannot thank you enough for giving us so much of your time tonight. Before you get out of here, why don't you tell everybody what you got going on, where they can follow you, what they can expect with your content for the whole season, because uh, you've always been an entertaining follow and always good for multiple laughs a day. Uh, And I mean that sincerely, not just because you're on our show. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me so much. This this was fun. Um, I usually do. We I, I with all sports scene, we do unserious content. We just talk a lot of shit um, and unhingedness. And it's always good to to talk straight up baseball. Um, and so I appreciate it. I would love to come back on the show anytime. This was good. You can follow me at C underscore spaghetti one C spaghetti was taken. Um, so <laughs> that's where we're at. Thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll get Elon on later to discuss that and get that sorted out for you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then Thank the last comment is we can us. expect tits and chaos. Yes. To- <laughs> <laughs> so last have a great night and uh, hopefully we'll run into you in the ballpark at some point this season. And if not, we'll definitely have you back on the show. For okay. sure. I'll be there April 29th. I will be at the G rate, uh, the hockey Jersey. Yes. The hockey Jersey game. I'm yeah. Be there. I'll be there. (laughs) 
All right. Well, we will see you at the ballpark. Have a great rest of your week, and let's uh, let's go win five straight. How about that? Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, Celeste. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks, guys. All right, take Thank care. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, awesome. Celeste Spaghetti. What a what a great time, man. Always fun talking talking with her. If you haven't followed her on Twitter, what are you doing? And uh, this is the part of the show where we're going to take a brief commercial break, and we will be right back. I captured some video of Blake Freeland, uh, the BYU mammoth offensive tackle. Uh, We're going to be talking about him in a future show. But I wanted to show you this video and have you kind of break it down for me. What is going on here? We've got one of the coaches from uh, the All-Star team teaching him about hand use. Do you know exactly what he is telling him? And I I, I kicked myself that I didn't go up to Blake and ask him, what did you learn there? Well, okay. He's the coach who's on the right is is really – teaching them how the, the proper use of the, of the punch, where mm-hmm. he should place it. But what the defensive lineman is also going to do, you know how he's slapping the hands down? Right. Yeah, so you you got to have strength in your arms and you got to have power in that punch. You know, we're great in offensive lineman. That's one of the first things you look at is, you know, first of all, how he comes up. Is he coming up like this from the – from the inside, is he hitting? You want him hitting right in here, not out here. But you, he's got to have some jolt. He's got to have some power to that punch. Because, and then what the coach is explaining to him is that one of the first things a defensive lineman is going to do is try to slap his hands out of the way. And if you don't have strong arms, that can happen easily. And we are back, guys. Boy, oh, boy. That was a lot of fun uh, talking with Celeste. That was a jam-packed hour, man. That, that went by really, really fast. <laughs> oh, geez. And, and I, feel, I felt so bad. I was like, yeah, let's get Celeste on the show. And Vinny's like, yeah, I, I'm getting smoked. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I felt so bad, Vinny, at the same time. But I was like, you, you and Celeste get along. And we had fun along the way, so. <laughs> yeah, I like anyone who's Italian. I also respect any opponent I have that, you know, you compete against. And she whooped my ass. So, and it was really fun. Um, it was kind of funny. Anything I tweeted that day, she had like a meme or something ready to shit on me with. It's almost, I, she might have had my notification set on, which is really a smart thing to do if you're like really trying to compete in a tournament like that. Sure. And like I would tweet something for work. And she would like quote tweet it shitting on it. Like, it, and it was just so funny. Like, one of my hockey tweets, like, you know how I compliment random hockey players throughout the week. And like, you know, hockey guy doesn't deserve to win or like, this is baseball. Like, you know, and I'm like, Celeste, you're an Orioles fan. Like, don't talk about my devils when you're an Orioles. No, I'm kidding. I, I like it. I think it was so fun. So, you know, it is what it is. Got I got point, beat. Ben. Yeah, got Mr. Colorado Avalanche. No, yeah. Okay. Shit about hockey. Yeah, that's just wildly incorrect, <laughs> especially where you live. I know, I know. No, what's really funny to me with all of it, honestly, is the fact that she would pick on you for for liking hockey because um, I feel like finding a well-rounded hockey fan is such a rare thing. 
You know, you either find hockey fans or like fans of the other three sports. Yeah. You never right. find guys who like all the main sports. And like, you're such a unicorn in that respect. Yeah. It, Vinny is I, a unicorn, dude. I do enjoy every sport pretty much equally. Like, like I always used to make this comparison and it makes you sound like a douche, but like, you know, hockey and baseball are like your number ones. And then like, but football's like your, your Sunday friend. You know what I'm saying? And like, it's just, but then now sun football's on Thursday, Friday or Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We'll, we'll have a Friday game before you know it. Uh, I honestly think the NFL loses on not having any Friday games, but, and you know, nobody besides people in Texas and Alabama are watching high school football on TV. So like, I do think the NFL misses an opportunity not having one Friday game, but you know, it is about being well-rounded for me, and I enjoy it. I enjoy competitiveness. I enjoyed watching the 108 tournament because it was people competing against each other, let alone, like, real sports. So it's good. It's fun. Uh, the people in the tournament did a really good job. Allie White Sox, sometimes known as Allie White Claw, won the whole yes. tournament. Um, there was kind of an issue with bots throughout the whole tournament. So the final actually ended up being three people to attain for a tiebreaker between her and summer of George who won the 2021 108 tournament. And then friend of the program, friend of the network, Herb Lawrence was one of the other three in the championship and Allie took home the crown. So I was, I was rooting no, no issue with summer of George whatsoever. I actually voted for him in the final in 2021, but I like, I would like new winners so, sure. and the only way that would have happened was if Herb or Allie would have won. So I threw, I voted for Herb with Southside and I voted for Allie with my personal or vice versa, something like that, just because I wanted a new winner this year. So, sure. you know, credit to everyone, though. Everyone who participated in the tournament did a really good job. And Beef Loaf, Terezi, and My Sock Summer deserve a lot of credit. And Bruhan Luke as well. He puts a lot of work into it, too. So, you know, they, they make it fun. Twitter could be a cesspool. People just being a-holes to each other all the time. And the 108 tournament does bring out a lot of kindness in some people. It brings out a couple D-heads, too. But at the same yeah. time, like, for the most part, it's people just trying to have a good time. So credit to it's, them. It's so fun to me because, like, it's such a different and unique thing that, like, other sports uh, Twitter fan bases try to do. But, like, I don't think they do it the same way that From the 108 does with their tournament. Like, and From the 108 is just such a unique group of guys anyway with with their content and their programming that it's not, not – it's exactly what I would expect from a tournament that they host, you know, if you know anything about the guys. Um, I had somewhere else I was going with that, and the train of thought just went – Ohio on me, man, completely off the rails. Um, I like at Ohio. any rate, it's well, yeah, but they had that big train derailment two weeks, yeah, three, yeah, three, fair three enough. Oh, geez, anyway. now, I, now I get what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I get it too. I get it too. All right, um, at any rate, it's just it's such a fun thing, and like I see other groups do it. Um, again it's just it's not the same it's it gives me so many new people to follow on socks twitter like every year because like you say Vinny, it's not always the same people it's not always the same group even so you're always getting new people to follow you're always getting new interactions um sometimes making new friends i'm pretty sure that's how i found Vinny's account in the first place is through some uh some rabbit hole i went down from the 108 tournament so it's just a, it's a good time. It's, it's a fun way to interact on Twitter. Like you say, it can be such a cesspool, but that's uh, a nice break from it all. 
Absolutely. And frankly, for those of us who don't give a damn at all about March Madness, it gives us another bracket to pay attention to. Oh, yeah, that's going on, isn't it? I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. You know, just the biggest tournament in like sports every year is happening right now. And I genuinely could not even tell you who's involved with it. <sighs> I heard, UConn. I read on Twitter, the game stinks right now. I don't know how true that is. I know there was a women's game yesterday. <laughs> I got a lot of attention. Yes, it did. It's for twenty-four right now at halftime. UConn is winning. What's the score, Vinny? Sorry, you broke up a little bit. It's thirty-six to twenty-four. UConn at half. Wow. At half? That sounds awful. <laughs> nothing like it's on. It's like on pace a... to be like seventy to fifty. Yeah. Wow, that sounds that sounds horrendous. Well, thankfully we're not watching that, and all of you in the world are watching us right now. I like to think that, but let's be honest. <laughs> oh, excuse me, I'm getting I'm a little under the weather trying to get back. But speaking of uh, interesting takes, which no one was talking about takes, but I just said that we're going to go ahead and dive into this week's guaranteed take. So the White Sox got some good news today before the home opener. I'm sure you guys saw our closer, Liam Hendricks, appeared on the on the screen. And for those of you who don't know, he was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in the offseason, has been undergoing treatment. He let the world know that he's undergoing his final treatment. He went under underwent his final treatment today. And to quote him directly, See you soon on the south side. So, gentlemen, the Sox did not put him on the 60-day IL. I believe they put him on the 15-day to start the season. Does that mean Liam Hendricks is coming back soon? And if so, Zim's prediction is looking pretty good right now from the top of the season, giving him reliever of the year. Vinny, you're on mute, my friend. You're on mute, sir. I'm just going to take the opportunity to say I did not have any sort of inside information, and this is a phenomenal turn of events for the young man known as Liam Hendricks. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and it's funny. The reason I started talking was because I thought you were going to go, and you were on mute, so I started talking anyway. But I, again, I say it on the show all the time, I'm very dumb. Um, But Liam Hendricks, (laughs) he's not very dumb. Um, He or Garrett Crochet weren't put on the 60-day IL, which was important to me. Um, because I think coming back from Tommy John could warrant a 60-day IL to start a season two because the 60-day IL, when it's from day one of the season, really not that long if you think about it. It puts you at basically at the end of May, early June, which is not even close to the All-Star break yet. So the fact that Liam or Crochet weren't even put on that is, you know, that type of absence is really encouraging, especially Liam, because Tommy John, yeah, that sucks. You know, we can't wait for Garrett Crochet to get back. But Liam Hendricks was diagnosed with cancer. That's that's yeah. a word you never want to have a doctor look you in the face and say. And Liam had to go through that. And he announced he's he's got his last treatment today, which he's already done at 9.16 p.m. Central Time. But, you know, throughout the day, it was pretty obvious that people were really excited about this news. 
And it was nice to see the White Sox and Liam announce it the way that they did because it's pretty obvious as well that people care about this guy. He's not just some schmuck. He's a very, very good player. He's incredibly liked in the community. Um, he's willing to come on a doofus like my podcast and, you know, talk to us. Like, he's just that kind of quality human being, always doing great kinds of charity work and he stands up for causes that he believes in, and he's just one of those types of people who everybody should rally around all the time. So to see that he's doing well is good. To know that he's going to be motivated coming into this season is even better. And I have a feeling he's going to come in and make Zim look really, really smart because he's going to want to give that fist bump after a big save as quick as he can. And I actually believe it's going to start sooner than people even realize. So hopefully that ends up being the case. I sure the heck hope so, man. <clears throat> I don't know if you noticed, Vinny, but in, in the league that when the, in the league that you're in with me, fantasy wise, Liam Hendricks was not owned, so I picked him up today and put him on the IL. Um, I will be stashing him for a while. It's to get a top tier closer like that this late. Uh, I'm I'm very excited by the news today. We all love Liam as a person and especially as a pitcher. I mean, this is a guy with so much fire. So we, we hope for the best for him. We can't wait to have him back closing out games for us. Yeah. yeah. From a fan standpoint, it's so I mean, I mean from a human standpoint, I should say. It's it's so great to see him overcome this, be ready to go, be mentally wanting to go still, you know. This this kind of treatment, this kind of illness takes a lot out of people. It is a very hard thing to go through for anybody. And for him to come out of it swinging and fighting the way that he has and, and just rare and ready to go, it's it's so awesome. I, I really hope he comes back quickly um, to get over the, the last bits of the mental humps uh, that can come with something like this. And that he sees success quickly as well so that he knows he is where he belongs. And from a fan yeah. perspective, you know, from a fan's perspective, I can't wait to see our closer back on the field, man. He's one of the oh, most yeah. dominant players in the game when he's out there and healthy. And frankly, uh, you know, we've seen Reynaldo Lopez out there in, so far this season. And it's been... Uh, it's left a little bit to be desired. So, you know, from, from both standpoints, it's so exciting in so many different ways, you know, and, and I'm just happy for the guy. I'm happy for his family. Um, I'm happy for his friends and teammates, you know? Yeah, me too. Uh, <clears throat> side note, I wanted to mention, and this is related. So bear with me for a second. I've been playing the new MLB, the show 23 and <clears throat> You know, it's it's the whatever they call it, the condensed season where you simulate certain parts or whatever. And end of May, I think it was like May 26th or May 27th, that's they called up Liam Hendricks from AAA in my simulation. So I just wanted to call that out because I thought that was really intriguing yesterday. I was like, man, maybe the show knows something that I don't. And then today this announcement comes out. I'm like, all right. <laughs> that's probably around the time he'll be back, honestly. Yeah, end of May. It's not totally what I think. Like, Realistically yeah. speaking, yes. I sort of want to believe that Liam Hendricks is a freak of nature and will be back by like early May, but that's just wishful thinking. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean still... if his last if his last chemo treatment was today, and I don't know if it's a multiple day thing, because he said starting his last treatment today. I don't know what that means. 
so let's say by the end of the week he's done. Liam's the kind of freak who will go out there and start to ramp it up next week, I think. So if you start ramping it up on April, what next Monday's April 11th? Let or no, it's April 10th. Let's say from April 10th to May 10th, he like really treats it like spring training down there in Arizona. He's back by May 11th, May 12th. Maybe he gets a couple games in AAA, you know, to rehab assignment. And then, yeah, really Zim, you're much. spot on like early May. Like if he is that much of a freak in that sense, I think I think your little estimate there is spot on. Well, the fact that he's been throwing through all Already. of this treatment is insane to me. Yeah. He doesn't I have noodle people... arm. He's not going in with noodle arm by right. any means. And I, you know, I've I know a lot of people that have gone through treatment and stuff like that. And I told them about this stuff with Liam Hendricks, and they're like, that's insane. Like I felt like shit. I this and that. I I couldn't even, you know, I was throwing up. I was this, I was that, I was weak. The fact that this guy through all this was still throwing is just wow. It makes him so easy to root for <sighs> as a as a fan. You know, he he truly loves the game. He truly pours himself into it, um, which I don't think surprises anyone considering he's an Australian playing American baseball. You really have to love the game to do something like that. Um, But, yeah, for him to be out there for all of that, that's just bonkers. It makes me wonder if he has to be completely clear, like if he has to be in full remission to get back playing or if he like, you know what I mean? Or if he can still be in that middle area. I don't, I guess I don't know. I'm sure team doctors will put him through some kind of physical to make sure that he is fit and ready to be out there and not going to be putting himself or, you know, depending on where he's at in his recovery, anybody else in harm's way. You know, we don't, yeah, we don't need a Ricky Vaughn situation out there. Yeah, because I know a lot of these guys when they when they go through that, their immune system is compromised. It's like weakened. So that's just the thing that I worry about. I mean, maybe he'll be in seclusion for however long. And I think that may push it out a little bit. Like I said, end of May, maybe early June. But nonetheless, this is an amazing story. It will be the story of the year if he comes back. And regardless if he's successful or not, the fact that he's going to be on the mound. Uh, at some point, just gives you so much to root for, and it speaks a lot to the power of baseball because Liam Hendricks is driven by being on that mound, and you can see that. And he got to yeah. spend some. Uh, he had his family there to help him out through all this, and I'm sure his family will be there with him when it's. It's always a great story when it happens, and regardless of their level of success, you know, two sides of the same coin. We had John Lester go through this and come back, and then pitch a no hitter. And it was such an amazing story. And then we had Chad Bettis who came back and didn't really do much of anything, but just the fact that he yeah. came back was amazing in and of itself. Anthony Rizzo as well. Right. I think Anthony Rizzo was also one. Yeah, of them. absolutely. Honestly, had, I don't, I'm not familiar enough. Yeah. Anthony Rizzo had cancer as well. Um, when you think about it from a baseball point of view, too, the boost that the White Sox are going to get both mentally and like an actual performance based. Like before you found out Liam Hendricks had cancer, who would you trade him for one for one for a closer? Only closers. Mariano like, Rivera. Uh, active players, though. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Mariano Rivera. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, Araldus Chapman in his prime, too, even though he's a scumbag. But like in his prime, he was right there. Like Craig Kimbrell in his prime. 
yeah. I still might take Liam. Like Liam Hendricks is amazing. Like you think of active guys though, Emmanuel Classe from the Cleveland Guardians. I would probably take um, Edwin Diaz before he hurt himself in the World Baseball Classic, maybe. But Liam Hendricks is in the top three, four, or five closers in the league when he's on. So it'll give the team, it'll push Lopez into a much more suitable role for him. I think he has a chance to be a great, um, you know, setup man or long reliever, maybe some spot starts. Um, maybe him and Michael Kopech can reverse roles. Um, you know, I think a lot of things are on the table at this point, but when they get Liam Hendricks back and Garrett Crochet for that matter, this team's going to be a lot better looking. Well, that's it. Once you put Crochet in that mix too, I mean, you're talking, we were just bitching about Ruiz earlier. He's off the squad when those two are back, I think. I think that's not even up for debate, especially he if might he be gone before that. Like right. And then who else do you push off of this roster? Like, honestly, if you have to fill that spot with somebody, who else do you move? I would get rid of Ruiz and Diekman. You really get rid of Diekman? Um, over like based on realistic options, yes. I don't realistically see them removing Joe Kelly because of his contract. And then the other option is Jimmy Lambert, who has been good. Like I haven't had a problem with Jimmy Lambert. Um, Diekman's a lefty, so that'll always play in his favor. But so is Crochet. Right. And then. That- that is a good – that's, I think, the biggest argument for maybe taking Diekman away is the fact that it's a lefty for a lefty. Yeah. I, I think it's Diekman for sure. He was okay today, that first – or that, that first loss, the well, Friday night game. Um, I was at a concert, and I saw on my phone, like, Diekman gave up a bunch of per- runs and blew the lead. I was like, are you – Personally, that's what I was talking about with Benintendi's defense and where I think he could have gotten to some balls that he didn't. Yeah, I, he should have got that. I think he should have gotten at least one of the two fly balls that fell right in front of him um, that Diekman gave up. Uh, and that's yeah. just me personally. I get that everybody's got their own opinions on it. And like, that's maybe he fair, couldn't though. get to it. Yeah. But you're right. The The more I look at this roster, I mean, maybe Gregory Santos, but I mean, he's a kid. He's got nowhere to go, but up. Yeah. Um, looking at the rest, he's, he's the only guy that jumps out at me. Maybe Jimmy Lambert. <sighs> But yeah, and I'm sure guys maybe having minor league options could come into play too. Like, hey, we can send him down without potentially losing him. Where like some of the older guys, it's like you're not sending them the AAA because they're not gonna go. They're gonna request for a DFA and they're gonna grant it and say, okay, have a nice life. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's exciting. I mean, it's a good problem to have if you're getting Garrett Crochet and Liam Hendricks back, though, for sure. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Those guys Jeez. are going to really take this team to that next level. You know, I know that some people are nervous about this bullpen. Um, frankly, I'm, I'm really not. Kendall Graveman uh, is a, a great option to come out of the pen at any time. Uh, like we talked about with Santos just a minute ago, he's got nowhere to go but up. Reynaldo sure. Lopez, if you put him, I think he's showing that he's not a closer, at least not at this point in his career. So once you get somebody back like uh, Hendricks, who's able to take over that role, you put Lopez now in a much better position to succeed. You know, you go all through. I mean, Joe Kelly, even over this last week, looked like the Joe Kelly of old. I was so happy to see him. I don't remember if I mentioned that last week, but that was kind of one of my bold predictions for the season was Joe Kelly comes back. He's pouty face Joe Kelly again. 
He's healthy and he had a full like spring. This week. <clears throat> do you guys follow Jay Kuda on Twitter? I big do. Stat, big stats guy for the White Sox. Um, Probably. According to a chart he made, the White Sox, by a whole two miles per hour, have the highest average velocity in miles per hour from relievers. Wow. 98 miles per hour is their average velocity per um, their it, it starters. Helps. It helps that Reynaldo's been throwing every pitch at like 100 or 101, yes, which is crazy. exactly. And Joe Kelly throws gas, and you know so does Deekman and a couple of these but other guys. That, uh, as helpful as it is, is not always a good thing. If every no. guy throws that fast, you know, you just you just time them up. Yeah. Timing is timing, no matter how fast it is. Sure, you got to react a little quicker, but these guys are professional ba- major league baseball players. Like, they can do that. Absolutely, and it looks like it also looks like they're top. They're tied for top eight um, with starter average velocity at ninety four point five ish, based on yeah how this it's chart awesome. looks. It's awesome they can throw hard, but uh, the off speed's got to be there, and that's kind of yep. what killed Michael Kopech today. Is his off speed hung uh, when when he threw it? It was in the wheelhouse every time. Like you got to be able to do both. Got to be able to do both. And didn't it seem Zim that like when Kopech hung some of those off speed? It's like the batters knew the off speed was coming, and they blasted it when they had the opportunity. Yeah, I don't know necessarily that he was tipping pitches so much as he was getting into a pattern, which is, I mean, I don't I don't mean to, to do it again, but I'm going to do it again. That's just as much on the catcher as it is on the pitcher. You That's know? fair. You cannot get into patterns like that. And, like, if you're going fastball, fastball, changeup, fastball, fastball, changeup, they're going to pick up on it. And I haven't looked into it enough. I know Dylan Cease called his own game. I don't yes, know man. how the four that followed did, though. I don't think they did. I uh, wouldn't know. grandal has been calling pitches for everybody. He's got it. He's got the little pitch thing set up uh, in his what is that? His right knee. Um, I think I don't know where Sebi's is if he's got it on the wrist or not. But I noticed that uh, Grandall was doing that this year. Instead of having it on the wrist, he's got it in his shin guard um, to kind of be a little more sneaky about it. Yeah. Interesting. It's really wow. cool the way these guys have that all set up. Honestly, you know, some guys are wearing it on the hip, <coughs> some guys in the hat, some guys on the wrist. You know, it's it's really really cool technology. I don't understand why we don't have robot umpires if we have that. But of all things that have come out of that Houston Astros cheating scandal, like this is by far one of the coolest things that's happened to baseball. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. It's exciting to see and. I think it's cool that Dylan called his own game. So I'm excited to see if he's going to do that again on Wednesday. So it should be interesting. But, guys, for something lighthearted before we get out of here, I just wanted to see, you know, Zim, I don't think you're going to be coming to any games here at the park, but you probably go to see you, – you, obviously you have a wedding coming up, and then, of course, you might go catch them when they come out to Colorado. But I wanted to see what food item you're most looking forward to at the ballpark or on the way or in the vicinity of the ballpark. Um, that could be anything nearby. It could be anything. Uh, Zim, since you're not coming to Sox games, but you will probably catch them out there. Is there, is there a go-to for you or something that you're looking forward to when you make your way over to Coors Field? 
um, called anymore. It's still Coors, right? Yeah, it's still Coors. It it will be Coors forever. Coors Brewery is twenty minutes away from the stadium. Um, it's actually still owned by the original Coors family and everything. So. Uh, sort of still operated by i should say uh miller company bought it out but no molson bought it out at this point my god um but anyway uh it's it's like wrigley field though where i believe it's it's the family name on the stadium not the brand name um so like wrigley was wrigley's gum it's actually still the at any rate i'm on a totally irrelevant tangent um I just pulled up what I was looking for. I was kind of just trying to kill some time. Um, (laughs) So one of the things that I'm actually excited about is I just found out that uh, the Sox game, one of the Sox games while they're here at Coors Field uh, is actually a big promotion game. Um, And they will be giving away Todd Helton jerseys. So I'm actually really excited about that in particular because the food at Coors Field is ass. Um, there's nothing to look forward to as far as the food down there goes. There is a Giordano's pizza, uh, not too far from the stadium. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's a tourist trap, you know? So, uh, I, I don't know how authentic it is to true Giordano's pizza. Um, I may or may not try it. Usually when I go down there though, I'm trying to get in and out of the area as quickly as possible. I'm not hanging out to eat or anything. It's a mess down there. Um, overall, yeah, I got, I got nothing. Honestly, I hate the food there. It's so bad. (laughs) You're a true Chicago transplant, just shitting on the food where you are. And I honestly love it. I love (laughs) it. And like, like you, you, you love talking about how much you love Malort. Like you are a true Chicago transplant and I could not respect it more if I tried I will drink PBR over old style any day of the week, though. Old style is Fair garbage. Enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. There's Travis a couple makes a good people. point. Giordano's yeah. is overrated a little bit in it, my book. It is, but it's the good, only thing we've really got out here. Um, I mean, my favorite pizza joint in Chicago is Pequod's. That's where I always head whenever I'm in town. Pequod's is so, really good. Pequod's yeah. is good. I love yeah. Pequod's. So, yeah, I hit that whenever I'm in town. Um as far as stuff like paisanos for me i think paisanos is really solid if you haven't had it yeah i think i've had it once it was years and years and years ago though um because i found pequods and i just stuck to it you know yeah for sure um yeah i mean i will say usual spots i hit up when i'm in chicago you know we we go to 35th street joe uh if i'm by the stadium i've been there with you i went there the next day as well um rico benes Always a good spot to hit before the game. Dude, you like took the words out of my mouth. I was literally <laughs> going to say, I'm looking forward to going to 35th Street Red Hots. Yeah. Because those are the best dogs. And then honorary mention was going to go to the steak sandwich at Rickabenny's, which yeah. was rated by USA Today the best sandwich in the world. I'm still going to talk about it. Zim taking it from me is not going to stop me. <laughs> I'm waiting for but you to then- throw it over. The last place, the last place I stop, um, because they're open late, uh, and I usually take red eyes. We almost always stop by Gene and Jude's at some point while I'm there. Oh so. yeah, oh, Gene and Jude's yeah, nice. yeah. So I love those that you are, said that. Love Gene and Jude's. They're French. Those fries. are my so spots good. in Chicago. Um, All of the deliciousness. Like I say, again, my family has a Chicago style restaurant out here, so if I want good food, like that's where I'm gonna go. Um, 
That's about all I got. Sorry to ramble on so much and say pretty much nothing. <clears throat> you know, Zim, Zim, for anyone that's watching in the Colorado area, why don't you say the name of your parents' restaurant? Yeah, my family owns a restaurant uh, called Chicago Style Beef and Dogs. If you are familiar with Casa Bonita or South Park, it is directly across the street from Casa Bonita. Um, nice. They really did us dirty in that episode where they made it a pawn shop. Uh, but, <laughs> oh. but I mean, honestly, if you know the area, pawn shops, thrift stores, uh, hotels, that's what the whole area is, car dealerships. Um, it's an interesting area for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's it's called Chicago Style Beef and Dogs. Um, if you're headed to a Broncos game, it's literally on the way. If you're headed downtown for a Rockies game, it's not super close, but it's not super far either. It's pretty easy access. Um, what about the Avalanche? Because that'll be my number one target when I get there. Yeah, it's not terribly far. Um, it is a little bit of a circuitous route to get there um, just because the stadium is in a really odd place. Because um, the way they built it, both of the stadiums are right off of the highway. And there's no real funnel roads to get to them. You kind of just have to take the highway, take the exit, and you're in the parking lot. Um, and there are other ways to get there, but it's just for out-of-towners, you're never going to get there that way. Um, so, again, it's not super terribly far. Uh, it's just not super close either because of the ways that you have to get to the main stadiums here. I legit believe that when I get out there, because I do plan on seeing as many NHL stadiums as I can, and MLB stadiums for that matter. Um, I want to go to Casa Bonita and your family's restaurant more than you could possibly understand. Like, well, what's great is you can do both on the same day. I know, I know, yeah. and that's really, that's really interesting. I, I think I do remember you telling me that, but now, now I'm kind of like making sense of it in my head, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make that on. That's on a bucket list for me. Is hitting that area for sure. I they're, love they're, South Park. Like I and love Casa, South Park, so <laughs> Casa Bonita is set to reopen uh, in May. It was closed after the uh, after the COVID nineteen pandemic. Oh, it's really? To, I did not know that either. Yeah, it's set to reopen because the creators of South Park bought it. Oh, so the creators of South Park now own uh, Casa Bonita, their childhood dream. Um, and they have vowed to upgrade the food quality there because that is one of the things it was known for is how terrible the food was. Such a cool experience, but just like microwave Mexican food. <laughs> and I know this is a whole tangent at this point. We are so it was not, it was not very speaking. it was not very bonita. It was, bonita, it, it was bonita. not bonita. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. The joke that we always made was you went to my family's restaurant and we legitimately had people do this. They would take their kids to Casa Bonita for like birthday parties and then come to my parents' restaurant to eat afterwards. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. I love that. Well, good stuff. Well, good choices yeah. there, Sam. Uh, Vinny Parisi, uh, you were talking about the sandwich, but I'll let you continue to talk about the sandwich. And Joe, I want to hear your thoughts on the sandwich too. I want the sandwich to be mentioned by each and every one of us. Yeah. I'll start. I'll start at the field. Um, I really yeah. like helmet nachos. They oh, they yeah. like they cook up quality meat to throw on those chips, and it's it's just always really good. And they use the freshest of ingredients for to run it through the garden. Like the jalapenos always are very tasty, and they use good tomatoes and onions. And I honestly think like. They use high quality everything, and yeah, you pay seventeen dollars for the helmet nacho, but 
you could pay $17 for much worse things out there. I've spent $17 at Taco Bell before and not had near the quality of an experience as helmet nachos at the park. Um, Joe, you know I love the Cuban. Um, I oh, had yeah. tw- I had 25 Cuban sandwiches in 2021. I went to 34 games, I think, or 33 games. And by the end of the year, I stopped getting them because, like, after 25 Cuban sandwiches over a span of three months, you're about done. But tw- yeah. 2021 was literally a it, – it's like a block in my head. Like, what was I doing that summer with the White Sox? And I was there every other day. Um, but I ate way too many Cubans. But I cannot wait. I, I will be eating one on the, my first game this year that I go to um, just because it's kind of tradition. I'm not tired of it anymore. So I actually am craving one. And so those are my go-to there. There are a couple of the sandwiches that they pr- are premiering this year that I'm excited to try. And I'm also excited to try that elote um, corn dog. Oh, That'll no. be really, really tasty. And that I think it looks so good. It just does look so good. Like the queso elote, like a different take on elote <laughs> with the queso version. I'm super excited for that. Um, and then, of course, the great, the wonderful, the legendary Rico Bene. Is Rico Bene on 31st, I believe? Yes, and. 31st. And it is just magnificent. And everything there is great. Uh, my family makes a breaded steak sandwich. And they call it Sicilian steak. And oh, I'm, I'm they, sorry. It's not on 31st Street. It's on 26th. 26th. Um, sorry. Something else I'm, that I like I'm, is on 21st. I'm losing my, losing my mind. Anyway, my family makes a breaded steak sandwich too, but they call it Sicilian steak. Well, the number two thing on their menu at Rico Bene is a sandwich called the Sicilian steak. So me and my dad, the first time we ever went there, ordered that sandwich called the Sicilian steak. And their version of a Sicilian steak was more like a roast beefy kind of sandwich. And my, me and my dad are like four or five bites into it. I'm like, dad, I don't think we ordered the right sandwich. And he goes, I know. And then I'm like, but this was the greatest mistake we ever made. And he goes, I know. And I was like, but the, the breaded steak, I think the breaded steak is what we were supposed to order. And from there on, I still haven't had their version of Sicilian steak again because the breaded steak is literally the greatest sandwich on earth. But I've had their pizza now. Uh, they had a buffalo chicken arancini one time. And I, I saw that and I was like, I have to try that. Um, but they even have like a good soda fountain. Like just everything about Rico Bene is wonderful. And the last time I was there was, I think either the last or second to last White Sox game I went to last year. And boy, that place never disappoints. It's, it's literally like you kind of get deja vu when you go there because it's the same experience every time. Like it's never like, Oh, this is a bad Rico Bene batch. Like when you go right. to McDonald's, sometimes the filet of fish tastes amazing, and sometimes it tastes like little Jimmy put it in the microwave, or like uh, any I'm anything sorry. you get. Did you just say you actually order the filet of fish at McDonald's? Oh, every now and again, of course. But no, I, I, that was the first thing that popped in my head. It's actually not like a regular thing I order, but I actually will. Um, they they do certainly put out a very consistent product there at Rico Bene. They certainly do, and uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, but I want to say, Vin, one thing that you may not know, and, and you have tried the regular steak sandwich, the breaded steak, right? Oh, that's what I've I've gotten it every time since the mistake, the very okay. first time I went like seven so, years ago. So, what you the, the, as you know, Rick and Benny's also has pizza by the slice. So you can get whole pies as well. 
Vinny, what you probably don't know is they have a breaded steak pizza. No, you told me that last year, and I never got around to trying it. Yes, so it's uh, – I've never tried it myself, but I always get the steak sandwich because it's, like, good for three days worth of food. And I'm trying to save a photo. Travis, a, listen, a loyal listener slash viewer, sent me a photo of the food he ate at the ballpark in Houston. I really want to download. try this pizza from Rico Bennett. Like, I, I honestly think that's a must the next time I'm there, trying the breaded steak pizza. Hell yeah, dude. You got to give it a shot. I mean, I don't get how you would like hear that that exists and not want to try it right away. Yeah, I'm stunned. I, I think it's because every time I went there that they had to make more and I just didn't want to wait. Fair. That's when fair. you walk in there, it smells like heaven on earth. So, um, yeah, real quick, uh, Travis uh, sent me the food that he had when he was at the ballpark. It's the Texas burger with brisket, barbecue sauce, red onion, jalapenos. He said it was unbelievable. So take a look at that. Looks pretty that good for ballpark good. food. Yeah. Yeah, that looks really good. I mean, we all know Texas does their barbecue rather well, and that doesn't look like it sucks by any means, though. That That's a nice-looking piece of cheese. I mean, I like yeah. a good slice of cheese, See, and I like jalapenos. This is what's so frustrating about Coors Field having such terrible food is like it's become a true part of the ballpark. Like part of the ballpark experience is is eating. It's it's having something while you're watching the game. And like Houston looks like they got it. You know, uh, Chicago, you know, we crap on the North Siders for their food. But honestly, that would be gourmet anywhere else. Sure. It's <laughs> getting better, too. The last yeah. two years, I've noticed it. I, like I've 2019, 2021, and 2022, significant improvement at Wrigley Field with their food year to year. It's credit just, where it's inexcusable too. for a major league ballpark not to have like high quality refreshments at yep. this at this point in time in this the year of our Lord 2023. <clears throat> like it's oh, it's yeah. time. It's time. Yeah. And, and the Sox are always up in their game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm looking forward to the most is I, I I talked about, you know, 35th Street Red Hots going to the park. You know, when I'm in the park, I'm looking forward to trying that new chimichurri steak sandwich, which sounds incredible. I'm a, I could eat chimichurri. I could eat, eat anything covered in chimichurri. Uh, and then, of course, just a just a Polish and or a hot dog and onions. You know, it's nothing like that at the ballpark, man. So, looking forward to Absolutely. that and the tri- trip to Rick and Benny's. And then uh, Phil's Pizza down 35th Street, uh, all the way down past Halstead Street, a uh, little hole in the wall, cash-only spot. Well, actually, they, they take cards now, but they charge a fee. Uh, but delicious pizza. For me, it's probably the best pizza in the city. It's That's saying a lot. It's old-school, tavern-style, cut in the squares, but great, great pie. So that's what I'm looking forward to food-wise, boys. I can't wait. Absolutely. Uh, you like the uh... – We've talked about this many times. The the steak on the pizza, right? The the like Italian beef pizza. Oh, from there. Uh, Phil's Phil's does a they do a an Italian beef pizza. You can get it with the beef 
and the Jardinier, which the is Jardin, excellent. Yeah. Uh-huh. Even even their just plain cheese pie is amazing too. Like that sounds so good. Unbelievable. It does. So it does. People crap on me. Cheese is my favorite pizza. And like normally people who favor pizza is cheese pizza. They're like picky eaters. I'm far from a picky eater. I right. love everything. I'll put anchovies on pizza. Little I'll eat a nasty filet of fish in. I will eat anything. Yeah. But a little tip though. Pizza, if you, real quick. Cheese, if, if you're ordering Yeah, if you're ordering from Phil's, just ask to be a little little well done on the pizza. Just a okay. little crisp. Yeah, absolutely. I love Do that. you guys do you guys like hot sauce on your pizza or no? It depends oh, dude, on the I, pizza, but I'm, yeah. I'm a hot ones deviant. I've got like 80 bottles of hot sauce in this house. So the, the short answer is say, yes. Like I love hot sauce. I put it on all kinds of stuff, but like I have specific hot sauces for specific applications. You know, Joe, I'm sure you understand exactly what I'm talking about. I know about. exactly what you're talking about. The absolute hands down best hot sauce for pizza. Gringo Bandito hot sauce. It is it's good. It's perfect for pizza, man. For pizza specifically, especially like a like a sausage and onion pizza with the Gringo Bandito on it, it's perfect. I'll try anything twice, so I'll I will do it. Yeah, dude, I, I just love trying different hot sauces on pizza. It's, I get into uh, I get into a you know, you get into like a routine with your hot. At least I do. Yeah, there's no, I totally from, get you. There's this one from Hot Hot Ones a uh, couple seasons, two or three seasons ago. Uh, it's from a company in Florida called Hotter Than L, and they make a. It's called Ghost Sauce. It's got like the Grim Reaper on it, and it's you know it's. I've never had a hot sauce that's made with carrots, but it's also it's also got like a salsa kind of texture yeah. to it, and a little bit of ghost pepper in there. Carrots it's are just, becoming a much more common hot sauce ingredient. Don't sleep on it. It's it's it carries the flavor so well. Yeah, so if you haven't tried that one, Zim, I highly recommend it. It's called Ghost Sauce from Absolutely. Hotter Than L. Uh, it's cheaper to order directly from them than it is to get it from uh, Heatonist. So I oh, order yeah. directly. I order directly from the the hot sauce guy. So Heatonist is a great place to find hot sauces, not a great place to buy hot sauces. <laughs> Although I have a ton of points because I have I have this the latest challenge box that I haven't done yet with my brother my brother in laws. I have the whole box right here. I might as well just show it since we're talking about hot sauce. So bear with me one second. Absolutely. This has become a hot sauce podcast because the White Sox gave up 12 runs on the day <laughs> that we had to record, and they hit seven home runs Did the yeah. San Francisco Giants. It literally looked like they ate hot sauce. Wow, that is nice. Look at that. For those listening to the audio version, Joe Mandel showing us a big old box of hot sauce sauce that has a sick design on it it's the whole the whole lineup for this season of hot ones that's outstanding i gotta say the lineup of hot sauce for this season is great and the lineup of guests for this season is great yes it is i know we've gone completely off the rails here at this point but like <laughs> Zim, i gotta tell you real real quick zim this is the this is number three in the lineup this year it's called cadejo yeah this sauce is unbelievable I, I went through a whole bottle of it already. And it's the third one in the order? Yeah, so it's got some heat, but it's not like over the top. Yeah, yeah, it's at like 18,000 or something like that on the Scoville scale. You know, enough to make you feel it, but not enough to make you hurt. Yeah, like isn't Tabasco like 3,000? So something it's like, like half that, of that. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully it does better than Andrew Benintendi in the three hole. The bomb beyond insanity. Oh, the bomb. I've had I've had one of the season's bomb. Can't remember which one it was. It's so the worst though. thing I've ever put in my mouth. 
<laughs> uh, I still, it. I still taste t- tears. Like it tastes like pain. If you could describe what pain tastes like. Uh huh. The hottest thing I've ever had is shut the cluck up sauce in Nashville. It's the one at Hattie B's that like they tell you not to order. And then when you order it, a guy that brings it to your table says, which one of you morons ordered this? And it was me. You sign a waiver, it. don't you? Yeah, I signed the waiver. Um, it was one million on the Scoville scale. And wow, so right. it made me want to die. Um, I know that chip that they have, the one chip challenge is two million on the Scoville scale. And I was like, that's double shut the cluck up. I think I'm going to pass on that, even though I'm a major hot sauce guy. Like, that's just not fun. Ah, taco vibes only. I agree. Extreme danger. <laughs> Does that have a Scoville scale listing on that? Or do they not list them on the bottle? Oh, wait. They... Sorry, they do have it right here. Uh, they have a whole sheet with a rundown. Um, so let's see. Uh, the da bomb is a hundred and there's no way this is it's 135,600. What do you mean the there's Scoville. no way that's so hot? 135,600 on the Scoville. That's so hot. Don't don't take the million sauce at Hattie B's. They literally make you sign something to eat that, Joe. Like the 100,000 is a lot. This is 638,000. Oh my god, that's so hot. And yeah. then the then the last dab is to, they don't have an official Scoville rating on it yet. That means it's hot as shit. <laughs> yeah, I've had it. It's hot. That's awesome. The uh, the sauce that I like to put on all my taco stuff averages about a million Scovilles. So the, the Gringo Bandito, the guy from The Offspring. No, 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 no. That's that's what I use for pizza. That's not what I use for tacos. Yeah, ta- ta- tacos has to be like really hot too. I yeah, agree. tacos I use I use ghost pepper sauce on that. Yeah, so good. And I on wings that. I use Carolina Reaper sauce. Nice. I hate myself apparently. Yeah, I do too. I hate myself. Um, where it exits your body, I hate that part of me. Um, I hate it yeah, all. Travis Travis agrees. Red <laughs> rectum lives up to its name. <laughs> that's actually really funny. I could I could discuss hot sauce and the intricacies of it for like days. Like you know, my when I was discussing jams last year, I could go on a jam discussion. I could go on a hot sauce discussion. You could bring a different condiment to the table every week, and I would love to analyze it. Dude, I'm all about it. Uh, I love that guy. So, talk uh, a little bit of hot sauce. Sounds like we got a new segment for closing the show out. Condiment of the week. Yeah. I kind of like that. Maybe if we the White, will do that. If the White Sox get buried and we don't want to talk about them anymore, like who are we to argue with that? And like going off the hook does not a bad thing for the show. We do it on all the shows here at the Barroom Network. I can attest to that, and I know oh, Aldo yeah. would agree. And the chat <laughs> kind becomes of significantly more lively. The the chat becomes significantly more lively sometimes too when we're done talking the sports. So, yeah. Well, that's it. We've become being... the resident food show on the network, and I have no issue with that. Yeah. Hey, we're Me just having either. fun. What's that's so all that matters. And then we always find a way to talk about Star Wars somehow. Uh, I don't Vinny... know what this we shit is, but okay. Okay, <laughs> Vinny and I. Sorry, Zim. Sorry. Well, you live in the Death Star, so that's part of it. Um, but Vinny, Star Wars Celebration starts Friday. Very excited. Very excited. I have a feeling we'll learn a little bit about what's coming up with Ahsoka and a couple of the other shows. So I know Mando's 
going to be winding down right around then. So I think we got two eps of Mando left. We got so, three left. There's one Wednesday, and then there's two after that. Got it. Okay. Yeah, it's super exciting. So I'm looking forward to it big time. I expect we'll get some trailers this weekend. So. Yeah, absolutely. So I had to bring that up before we get out of here. And uh, that yes. brings us to the end of the show, which means we're going to do shout outs and we'll keep them relatively focused today since we're almost at two hours. But it's been a heck of a fun show. Before we get to the shout outs, huge shout out to our guest, Celeste Spaghetti. It was a great time with her tonight on the show. Appreciate all the time she gave us. Make sure you go give her a follow on Twitter. And without further ado, Zim, we'll let you take it away with shout outs. Yeah. Shout outs to uh, to you guys and to Celeste for an awesome show, as always. Shout outs to everybody in the chat room for keeping it real with us tonight, uh, listening to us as we've gone off the rails uh, entirely, and everybody listening on the audio version, too. We appreciate each and every person who spends time with us, um, however you choose to do it. Uh, in, in personal shout outs, shout out to Nadeo. Uh, company who makes a very fun racing game called Trackmania. They invited me to the console beta last week, which was oh, very sweet. fun. That game will be dropping on consoles hopefully this summer. Um, but it it was super awesome. Uh, gameplay is really, really smooth and fun. If you like arcade-style racing games, Trackmania is for you. Sign me up, baby. It sounds great. Cool, Zim. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, I'm quick, and easy, to the point today. I love it. And and Vinny, before you give your shout-out, Aldo left this comment, and I'll let you speak to it. Absolutely. Before I get to that, I will shout-out my girlfriend, Katie. Love you very much. Thank you for all you do to help me. Um, we've gone through an adventure the last couple days, and there's nobody I'd rather be doing it with. So thank you very much. And we also saw John Mayer and the Devils over the weekend. It was just an incredible weekend. So thank you very much for being a part of that with me. Next... Bar Down Talking Hockey is normally a Wednesday show here at the Barroom Network, but we pushed it off to Friday this week because same time, 2 p.m., we are going to have former NHL star Bobby Ryan join the show. And wow. for those of you who don't know Bobby Ryan, he had a stint. He ended his career with the Detroit Red Wings for a year, but he played a bulk of his career split between the Anaheim Ducks and the ottawa senators and he was a very good player with both of them he got to play with superstars like uh daniel alfredson and you know superstars on anaheim like ryan getzlaff and Corey perry just awesome 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 career resume um he was the second overall pick in the 2005 nhl draft Sidney crosby was the first overall pick so we're gonna ask him things like hey what was it like to be drafted one pick behind Sidney crosby that had to be pretty cool and you know what was it like to play with you know, some of these superstars, he played with spit and chiclets host, Ryan Whitney in the NHL. Like that had to be, you know, pink Whitney, the drink, the guy who invented that. He was a teammate with him. I can't wait to ask him about that. Um, all those, you know, things he's done in his career. What was your favorite building to play in? What was it like to be, you know, the previously mentioned draft question? I I'm just super excited for it. And I think we're going to present everybody with a really nice show. So I'm very much looking forward to speaking with Bobby Ryan. Dude, don't miss it. Tune in. All great content on the Barroom Network. If you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Uh, <clears throat> if you're on Facebook, make sure you give us a like. Twitter, like, retweet, whatever. Just appreciate the support, and thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, you want to catch all the great content on the Barroom Network. Vinny's here. Vinny does three shows on this network. It's unbelievable. He does this show. He does Bar Down Blackhawks. He's Crosstown Crosstalk. 
and we do a put on your socks video every day where we talk about the White Sox. So it's going to be a fun season. I'm looking forward to keeping it up and, and, and just having fun every single Monday night and the rest of the season. Uh, Vinny, did you have any more to your shout out or was that your wrap up? That was it. Keep up. Keep following us on Twitter, though. These put on your socks videos aren't going to stop. Um, some of them will be more fun than others, but um, I'm not. I don't know if they'll be every single day like they were last year. If there's a day game or something, and we get off to a slow start, I think it's better to just wait and let the videos run and serve a purpose. But the put on your socks For videos sure. have been a major success, so I'm very excited about it. Yeah, me too, man. I always have a lot of fun editing and recording those. It's always a good time. Uh, when it comes to shout outs, I will always shout out my beautiful wife, Catherine, our our year old and change baby girl, Audrey. We love you very much. And my great Dane Maverick, who every Monday is waiting outside that door for me to take him to the bathroom as soon as I get it done with this show. So uh, love you all very much. Shout out to everybody in the chat room. You all know who you are. Appreciate it. Uh, massive shout out to Travis, who was at the opening day game last week in Houston uh, gave us a shout out with the, the Jake Berger signed card that he won that Zim sent him. So shout out to Travis for being here every week and uh, for giving us some love. And he'd said, he's going to go to that Luis Robert bobblehead day at, at the, at the park later this season. So who knows, maybe we can arrange something there and uh, meet up with you, Travis. We'll see how things go. See what the day, see what the year brings to us, but uh, that should be fun. And last but not least, shout out to Aldo Gandia, the man with the plan, the man behind the scenes who lets us do this every single week and uh, runs this network to a T. Chef's kiss. Aldo, love you, buddy. Thank you, as always. That's all I got, boys. Let's give a shout out to the Chicago White Sox as well. Hopefully they can uh, turn things around, forget about today, and go into Wednesday's big old matchup. Uh, Wednesday is going to be tough. To get this men- not not tough because it's gonna be a tough matchup, tough because they got to get the mental aspect out of their brain. So, hoping that uh, Dylan Cease can hit the mound in, in full stride and, and move forward. Friend of the show, Sid Sidney Brown's in the chat here, guys. He says, Joe and Vinny can't wait to have you guys on my show in the near future. Sid, absolutely, man, reach out. We'll be happy to come on your show. You, you, you put a great program on uh, Sports Zone Chicago. Uh, Sean Sierra, friend of the show as well. I just uh, Great, all great stuff going on over there, and likewise, they come on our shows. We go on theirs. It's oop, you're breaking up, Vinny. What was that? Oh, I think Vinny may have. Sean's I'm here. Sounded like Wally over there. Here? Vinny, Vinny turned into a robot. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Am I back? You are back now. All I, yeah, I just sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I didn't know I sounded like an alien. I just wanted to throw out I wouldn't be here without Sean. He got, got me into podcasting and you know learning how to talk about sports. So it was largely he was one of the two big reasons for it. So yeah, anytime, Sydney. Yes, you know it. And uh that's a great way to wrap up the show. Looking forward to this week of White Sox baseball. We know we'll be here next Monday to talk about it. Quick tease, we are potentially having in-stadium host Ryan Lee next week. Uh, he suggested the date, and we're trying to finalize it. So you'll check, keep your eyes on South Burbs Hitman social media, and we will let you know for sure. But that would be a great guest next week if Ryan's able to join us again. So we had a lot of fun with him last year. 
And uh, Travis says you were C-3PO for a minute, Vinny. It was <laughs> oh, V-3PO. I am V-3PO. You oh, and Cyborg he... Relations. <laughs> Guido uh, whatever relations. I don't know. Um, Guido been... 3PO. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I like it. Sound like Mr. Roboto. Yep. Secret, it's all secret. good. We got... I've got a secret. And that, my friends, is how this week's show ends. We'll catch you next week. Let's win some White Sox games. The way we end every show, guys, let's go, White Sox. Appreciate all my co-hosts, Vinny, Steven Zimmerman, Steven Zimmerman, and myself. I'm Joe Mandel. We will see you guys next week. Let's go, White Sox. 